Hi, I'm Sam. Seth, I'm Nate. Hey, I'm Tubbs. And this is Fall Risk. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we have kind of a special short episode for you. It's like a mini fall risk. It's a hop and pop episode. There you go. It's a hop and pop. I just came up with that. (laughs) Hop and pop episode. Um, There are two very talented skydivers joining me today. We've got Tubbs for the second visit, second time back to fall risk. Um, And then for the first time ever, we got Nate Falling here. That's your last name, right? Falling? Uh, My last name is actually Shannon, but that's my Facebook name. It's your Facebook name. Okay, Nate Shannon. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> Works every time. Nate Falling. That's great. Nate Shannon. Uh, well, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Tubbs a second time. Nate, first time. Thank you so much. And Frisco. Um, and Frisco. And we have Frisco here. Frisco is, uh, they're babysitting Frisco today, um, but he likes to be around people and he likes to be in people's laps. So he is joining us today. He's got half of his own chair over there and then the other half is uh, laying in uh, Tubbs' lap. We it's should clarify great. that Frisco is a dog. Frisco's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Frisco's a, Frisco's a dog. Uh, more than a dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, they're babysitting uh, Pat Pat Kessler and uh, Lauren Pfeiffer's. I was going to call her Lauren Kate because that's her Facebook <laughs> her Facebook name, but it's Lauren Pfeiffer. Um, that is, this is their puppy, and they are on vacation right now. So we, we got Frisco joining us. So if you hear little little toenails tapping in the background, it's because Frisco got off Tubbs' lap and is walking around in the studio. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I asked you two to join me to talk specifically about today's topic um, because you both routinely have offered clear and insightful, you know, advice and thoughts um, whenever we're in group discussions on the drop zone. It's something I've noticed. Um, so, and I, and I told you this a little while ago, I thought that you would add some really thought-provoking talking points on this particular topic that we're about to get into. So thank you. Thank you for uh being here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, so today, what is it What is it we're talking about? Today's discussion is really all about uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, so I'm sure that some people that have been, li- that are listening right now have probably heard this phrase be said before or like this name be um, talked about before, but maybe they haven't heard like a really in-depth um, explanation on what this this uh, phenomenon, I guess, is, or this, it's actually, I think it's a, uh, considered a cognitive bias, I think. I don't know what that phrase means, but I sh- I concur. <laughs> um, I, I think it's considered a, a cognitive bias. Um, so first off, what is it? Um, it is a cognitive bias where people with low ability, expertise, or experience in a certain area of information, where they tend to overestimate their ability or knowledge. Some researchers will include like the opposite effect for high performers in their areas of knowledge. Um, they have a tendency to underestimate their own skills. So the, the idea is that people who don't have a ton of experience in one particular area of information have a tendency to overestimate their abilities. But on the opposite end of that spectrum, people who are very, very good at what they do and have a lot of information and knowledge and expertise in their area, um, you know, in a specific area of uh, information, they have a tendency to way undersell their abilities or underestimate what they're what they're capable of. I think people have a tendency to hear more about the former than the latter. Would you say that's maybe true? Yeah. 
Yeah. This is often misunderstood as a claim about general overconfidence of people with low intelligence um, instead of specific overconfidence of people unskilled at a particular task or area. Um, it's usually measured by comparing self-assessment without a measure of performance, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions about any of this so far about how it's... Okay. If, if anything pops up where you need clarification, like we'll stop and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But um, for example, uh, participants are asked to take a quiz about a singular topic. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. Like just for, just for our conversation's sake, it's skydiving. They're asked to take a quiz about skydiving and then they have to estimate how well they performed. Okay. The self-assessment is then compared with how well they actually performed. These results are usually measured in both relative or absolute terms. Um, so relative terms means it's in comparison with one's peer group. So like an entire group of people, you know, take the same test and they all have a um, different results after the fact. And then the absolute uh, terms is more in comparison with objective standards um, as the number of questions answered correctly. So it's more about like the score of your individual test, right? Um, this Effect has a tendency to be more pronounced in relative terms um, as like the bottom quartile of per performers have a tendency to see themselves as being part of the top two quartiles. So it's more often measured in a group versus like individually. Does that make sense? Right. 100%. All right. Uh, there are tons of models that demonstrate and explain the Dunning-Kruger effects underlying causes. However, the OG model, the original one, says that a lack of something called metacognitive abilities is responsible. So metacognition is an aware awareness of one's thought processes and understanding of the patterns behind them. So it's like general awareness of like how you think, why you why you do certain things, um, what your reaction is to certain things, why you have that reaction to certain things. It's just an, an awareness of self, essentially, right? Um, this can take many forms, such as reflecting on one's way of thinking and understanding how and when to part use particular strategies for problem solving, study skills, memory capabilities, and the ability to monitor learning, right? So all of those things, if we just think for just a, a hot second, like a lot of those different things have... Um, pretty strong ties to our skydiving community. Um, so the OG model is based on the idea that poor, poor performers have not yet acquired the ability to distinguish between good and bad performances. They don't see the distinction between their performance and the performance of others quite yet, right? So you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? Um, inaccurate self-assessments can lead people to make bad decisions like engaging in dangerous behavior and it also inhibits the affected from addressing their shortcomings to work on self-improvement okay so not always able to see your lack of uh, expertise or your lack of knowledge on a specific area um, because again you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, or lack of self-awareness or just haven't been around for long enough, that kind of stuff. So is there anything that I just said, anything that we just talked about, any of it prompt any questions right off the bat? Like any concerns or like need fleshing out or ex explanation on, on any of it? No questions. No, okay. The only thing would be what causes people to have that and sometimes it's just they have such a great time that it's like <laughs> what do you mean that was so awesome yeah how could that be bad and it's yeah. you know it's all relative yeah so I guess I'm going to ask the question then uh, of you guys is where do you think we see this affect the most prominent prominently in skydiving like either end of the spectrum either the the, the lesser quartile or the higher quartile or like the lower quartile yeah, excuse me it's a tongue twister I think the lesser yeah um yeah 
like it can start anywhere from somebody's first tandem to a student through usually an A license, like a new jumper, Mm -hmm. you know, I see that the most is those top three. And it's, I think plays into what you're saying of like, they don't know what they don't know yet. Yeah. So they really think that they're doing awesome. Okay. So that's where I feel like I see that most. Okay. Uh, I kind of, I'll do the other side because I think as 100 jump wonders have turned into 500 jump wonders because we can do so many jumps now because the sport is so big and awesome now. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to get 500 jumps in a year. And if you haven't been around for a couple of years, you just haven't seen everything that Mm -hmm. scouting has to offer good and bad. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the distinctions we should make about the Dunning-Kruger effect is that it's specifically people who think they are way more, like the, the lower end of the spectrum, right? It's people who think they are very capable of doing a certain, a certain thing, especially in skydiving, right? Like it's very much like I know a lot. I can do a lot of fun things. I'm very capable of doing all this stuff, whether or not that's true, whether or not you actually have the ability to perform those those uh, skydives or perform canopy, certain canopy maneuvers, that kind of stuff. Um, more often than not, when we see this specific thing happening, it has a tendency to be where folks are way overestimating their abilities. We see it all the time. Like we see it every day, right? Like in, in various formats, but I, I would ha- tend to agree with Nate a little bit in that it's people who have a little bit of experience, like a little bit of experience under their belt, right? They've, they've gotten past a certain point in like their student progression or their rookie phase, you know, and then they start thinking like, I got this. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I'm feeling myself. I've got this. Like, yeah, I got, I got a little bit of coaching from my instructors. I've, I've maybe like reached out to a couple other uh, coaches in like specific fields. And now I'm feeling really good about what it is I'm doing right and so now I'm going to start assuming that I have things down better than I actually do right or maybe I have one skydive that happens or a couple of skydives that happen where things go really really well and then I'm like yeah I got it Mm -hmm. like this is it right I've made it right (laughs) um and I think everybody everybody experiences this to some extent right like somewhere in their progression everyone has this moment um but I think what what is problematic is for those folks who lack that self-awareness or they ha- they don't have those moments that put them back in check. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I think it's it's beneficial to have it a little bit, like have some confidence in yourself, yeah. but not so much that it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What about on the opposite end of the spectrum though? Like, cause we could talk all day about, about like the, you know, the problem children, right? Like we could talk all day about that, but like, what, uh, what about the other end? We don't hear about the opposite end of the spectrum as much, you know, with the people who are really good at what they do, but are really humble and they don't really talk, you know, or they don't, they don't talk that big game, um, after so much time in the sport, so much experience. Like, what about that? Where do we see that? I see it with instructors. Okay. For sure. Like sometimes you, you're working with a student that you feel like is a challenge for you in fall rate or in Mm -hmm. communication because there may be a different culture, a different kind of little language barrier or something, and then Mm -hmm. that gets in your head, and then you start questioning whether you're the right person for the job or whether, you know, and then you just got to step up Mm -hmm. and know what you've done and then know what you need to do and then take the steps, and then it works out if you you trust the process and do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I also think um, sometimes you can see it in organizers or just – 
general people who come out to the drop zone and mm-hmm. are kick-ass at what they do, like, mm-hmm. they can tear it up on a canopy or just, like, they shred so well, you know? But they're they're not a coach. They're not an organizer. They literally are just coming out for the fun of it. And they tend to be the people who are kind of quiet, mm-hmm. you know? So they don't stand out, and I think that's why we don't have so much attention to them is because mm-hmm. they're not the ones who are, like, look out for that kind, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so... There's, there's people like that that I've met that are just like, why don't you mm-hmm. instruct? Like, you have such a gift. And they're like, I just do it because I love it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they're always willing to talk about things. They're always willing to help people, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I also see it, too. At least at this drop zone, I see it in some of the more established um uh, like free flyers and established um, coaches, like like body flight coaches out here. I mean, I can think of at least three of them off the top of my head. Um, and they are like just talking to them. They're so good at like just explaining what it is they know, you know, and like they're so willing to just hand that information over. Um, I see it a lot in that like they don't um, – there's, there's no like ego – attached to it it's just like this is what I know and I would love to share it with you right um I'm sure everyone can probably think of like one or two different people like that like Mm -hmm. that they look up to on their drop zone or maybe they um go to for advice you know about specific areas and and those are the people that um in my opinion like we see it the most but you actually brought up a really good point is like instructors um a vast majority of the instructors I know have this um have this like thing in the back of their mind especially especially at a certain point in time like once you get into like like I would say like your maybe your fourth or fifth year as an instructor you know you start to really I I don't know about you guys but at least for me and some of the other folks that I can think of it hits you like how hard you have to keep learning you know like how it never ends it never stops there's always something more that you can learn to finesse or to a new trick you can learn to make things easier you know like you're always going to find problem students you're always going to have like that kryptonite you know that kryptonite student that you're you know you're going to struggle with and like how do I get better than that how do I do better in this scenario like that's that's a really good point like that's not something I even thought of when I was (laughs) when I was writing any of this down so that's a cool was, thought. When I first started, I didn't really have the skill, but I was so hungry and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a slot. I wouldn't, you know, I mm-hmm. would just put my heart into it and get through it because, mm-hmm. well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like seem lesser by like passing off a jump or, yeah. and it's like step up, step up, you know? And so I was constantly pushing myself, but then I got to a point where I was not like, I didn't feel like I had anything to prove anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of started to really be more looking at what I was doing and like yeah. realizing that I could be better. And I feel like in the last few years, I've been able to actually offer more because I'm more present on the jump and mm-hmm. not just lost in the sauce, holding on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> lost in the sauce. I get sauced up. I, I get excited. So. <laughs> okay. That's a good, that could be like a good band name, Lost in the Sauce. Sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> lost in the sauce. Anyway, um, who do you think is more affected the most, like more dramatically? or more commonly in skydiving? Like, do you think we see it more often? Okay, I'm going to actually rephrase that. What what type of skydiver do you think is most commonly affected by this, by by the lower end of the spectrum, by over overestimating their skills? I'd say somebody who just got back from a camp or training. Okay. And they're seeing the potential that they have. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, see the steps, and then they're, like, charging yeah at that moment not specifically a number then 
it's more no, of a no it's like because everybody's in a different yeah on a different journey okay know? are you asking like how many jumps do you kind of see that effect i feel like there's there there are some windows of like numbers you know there's not one specifically but I, I think we we have this common saying of like there are specific ranges where people are the most in trouble yeah. you know or like are at the highest risk for like something happening mm-hmm. we've said this in the past like everybody knows this like it's like the 500 jump wonder yeah. you know or like the 2000 you know the 2000 jumps like, like 500 to 1000 is yeah. probably like that increased mm-hmm. Cause like we were saying earlier it's like that confidence is there you've gone to a fly for life camp and mm-hmm. you're feeling really good about yourself and then you don't know what jump run is but <laughs> <laughs> so that would be my guess is if you were to look statistically at what when it's happening or yeah. problems are happening that that might be where it falls more often why would you say that is though like why why are those windows the more the the more um dangerous i guess for lack of a, or a higher risk like windows you kind of touched on it just a little bit in that explanation about how like you just came back from a camp right but more specifically like what is it that's happening in that window like experience wise Mm -hmm. you know or in those windows that puts people in that situation what would you what would you say about that I guess one thing that comes to mind maybe like people can start to become instructors at that point so as soon as you've got the instructor label slapped on you, there's like this, I'm somebody. Now, Confidence like, boost. Yeah, I can tell people what to do because I'm an instructor. Yep. Um, so I'd say that's one thing. Um, and then usually when people have that many jumps, like they've been around the drop zone for over a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some people are busting out that many jumps in a year. So I'd say like year, two, three years. Um, and as they've been sitting around the DZ, they might – feel like they've heard all these things and they can now say it to other people yeah you know um and they feel confident in repeating those Mm -hmm. statements or whatever so that might be yeah what I think yeah without without actually having the experience like gone through the experience themselves it's all just hearsay yeah I've seen something and it's fine to share but if you haven't experienced it sometimes you have to come across it in a different way you know but yeah if you're if you're new yeah and in addition to that you're going through like peaks and plateaus Mm -hmm. you know of confidence like where you're suddenly like you said you got the you got the rating Mm -hmm. you feel unconfident yet you are official you have this title you (laughs) now come with certain abilities and certain I don't want to say responsibilities but you have the ability to do and say certain things that you didn't prior to that so you go through this super high spike in terms of confidence and then Maybe something happens. Maybe you got a little bit of like waves, you know, like some peaks and valleys, and then you plateau for a really long time, and then you come up to like a thousand jumps, where you're spiking again, yeah. right? In terms of confidence, and then you just see that pattern happen where it spikes, and then it plateaus for a bit, and it spikes, and it plateaus, and I feel like we get to a certain point where, sorry, I can hear the, can you hear the? lawnmower in the yeah. background <laughs> uh, so I feel like we get to like certain points on that spectrum where you've seen it all and you've done it all right like you have actually seen a vast majority of the things that can happen you have actually experienced a ton of this a ton, a ton of this uh these scenarios on your own right it's not just hearsay anymore because you live breathe eat at the drop zone you experience it firsthand you watch your best friends experience it you have serious deep discussions about it 
um, your thought process constantly is going. And that's where I think we start to see things peter off a little bit in terms of like overconfidence. I don't know about you. I don't know when you guys hit this, if you've hit this, but I hit a wall. I think it was like at the tunnel was where it hit me, where I was like, I don't know anything. And there's <laughs> so much more here to learn. Like, um, at least for me, that's where I feel like things have had dropped off for me in terms of like incidents or like events happening to me that made me really second guess, you know, what, what it was I was doing or thinking really hard about stuff. Not to say that it still doesn't happen because it totally does. But um, I felt like things dro- dropped off pretty dramatically in terms of like accidents, you know, or or incidents that were happening to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was just like. I had a situation where I realized and it was really eye-opening like you don't know shit and and you still have so much more to learn and that really put me in a place of like having to self-reflect all the time you know I don't know how how do you feel about stuff like that I would say like whenever you start to get positive feedback from others yeah people that you aspire to be or you know I see it with students like if I've jazz up a student and tell them and like they did good and I'm like you did so good then they stop trying as much yeah or you'll see like they're like yeah and then they they don't realize it's like no you got to do everything you did last time again plus another thing Mm -hmm. or if you're getting coaching and the instructor your coach is telling you how awesome you did you're gonna start strutting around feeling yourself yeah (laughs) and you're gonna stop thinking about what are the steps what are the priorities what do I have to do to Mm -hmm. actually accomplish the next thing okay um, I think it's interesting you mentioned the, uh, <laughs> I can't take him seriously when he licks the bottle like that. What is that? It's is tahine. It... I didn't put it on there. Mary cooked it up, rubbed a lime on the, it's a Corona with okay. tahine. And so it, <laughs> the, the spice. Yeah. You got yeah. lime in there. You got, I mean, it's, it's really good. So you lick the bottle and then drink it. Huh? I mean, a little spice how else am I supposed to get it off the bottle? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back on topic. Sorry. That's okay. I might be going on a tangent, but you mentioned the tunnel and how that kind of gave you a perspective of like where you were at. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, I think we started skydiving maybe around the same time frame. I think you were a few years earlier than me. Okay. So the tunnel wasn't really a thing, right? So it was kind of this nitty gritty like skydiving where Mm -hmm. you just kind of got thrown into stuff. And I just, from the get go, felt like I was sort of subpar mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah and right now we get a lot of people or we get more people who come from the tunnel mm-hmm. who've never done a skydive and they have this idea that I can do it yeah right um so that's another way I, I can see the phenomenon occurring mm-hmm. is people who have this great skill in the tunnel but it doesn't always translate perfectly to the sky because there's so much more going on mm-hmm. um but it's also been like a personal reflection for my skill set because it's like I haven't spent as much time as in the tunnel so like I was feeling like I was better and then I'm meeting these people who are just ultimate shredders (laughs) I'm like man I've got so many more jumps than you but I suck and it's it's a good kind of humbling moment for myself as well Yeah. yeah I think people I think the thing that people don't realize too about the tunnel translation is that like you as a skydiver you have to be a problem solver like, so, like, the tunnel can teach you how to fly. Like, it can teach you how to move your body. It can teach you all the cool shreddy stuff, right? Like, it makes you look like a like a total ninja. But, I mean, there's a reason we call them tunnel rats. There's a reason, there's a reason they have that rap 
when they come out here or come out to the drop zone and it's because they don't have those problem solving skills or those survival skills that are crucial to skydiving um and that's probably where we see a little bit of the Dunning and Kruger effect. Like we see people come out here and they're like, I'm a shredder. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know shit about skydiving, you know, like you don't know shit about how to save your life or problem solve when something new arises, you know. Um, I While you were talking about that, about getting your, you know, ratings and stuff, I had the thought of when I got my tandem rating, you know, I was like, this was it. Like, this was my goal. Like it was, it was a big deal for me when I got my tandem rating and I felt comfortable doing tandems. Um, and then I went to skydive Paris where they like really cranked up, um, the intensity of like knowing your stuff and knowing your shit and like being on top of all your EPs and like problem solving on the fly and like really made sure to do their due diligence about their instructors knowing what they're supposed to be doing at 24 seven, right. All the time. And it made me realize like, Oh my God, <laughs> like when you were doing this at the, you know, like prior to this, like you really didn't have, you had like the bare minimum in terms of knowledge on what you were supposed to do in any one of these situations, you know, like that was where I really realized like, Oh shit, you don't know what you don't know. Like that's, Oh, it was a, it was a very scary feeling like when it happened, but it was also very humbling. Like, okay, ask questions. Like you need to engage in conversations about this. You can't just assume that people are going to tell you what you need to know. Like you got to keep, um, trying to learn, you know, and trying to like seek out new information. And then when I went to the tunnel, it was like all just like, oh shit, you know, nothing, <laughs> Like you know, nothing about teaching, you know, nothing about flying, like flying and finesse, like and finessing everything. Like you don't know shit. And I still like, I still look at other people that I, I aspire to be like or flyers that or teachers that I aspire to be like and I'm like you got to just keep working you got to keep practicing go to more camps go to more, you know like doing all the things like just just try and keep learning and pushing yourself as much as you can um yeah uh any other go ahead yeah I had that happen yeah my, my first 500 jumps are out of a 182 Ooh, yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I sometimes I'm really wish I had been in a bigger place but it also I probably needed to be in a place like that so that I could get some things out of my system that wouldn't have flown at a bigger drop zone. Yeah. And then when I went to a turbine spot, it was a big eye opener mm -hmm. in terms of everything. I mean, just everything, how many people were in the pattern, what was happening in the plane. It, basically, I had to expand my mind outside of myself to mm -hmm. account for other people. And then it was, I mean, the best thing that I ever did was to get out of it. But it also, I'm glad that I was there for a little while, you know, mm -hmm. humble, humble beginnings, but like, and then a big smack in the face about yeah. how I didn't know anything. And I was trying to get my AFF rating and do all these things. I was stacking a lot mm -hmm. and, uh, it all worked out, but yeah, it was a tough transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like, uh, it's, it goes back to what I said earlier about how I think everyone kind of experiences this Dunning-Kruger effect to some extent, especially like the low end of it. You know, like I think everyone has that same experience at some point. Um, some are clearly like way more delusional than others, you know. Um, but more often than not, like in some fashion, you experience it, whether it's like you went to a camp, you know, and you feel really good about your skills. You come back and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing, even though I'm not actually capable of it. I only nailed it once or twice in this camp. Right. Or maybe I got a little bit of swoop coaching and then I start doing something that is outside my wheelhouse, 
you know, and I'm pushing myself a little bit too fast and putting myself in a, in a dangerous situation. Or maybe it's that I had a scary situation happen to me and I somehow pulled it off, you know, walking away unscathed and I'm like, I'm fucking invincible or, or I just did something really, really cool. Um, I think likes on gram for your swoop and now you think you're amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Maybe, maybe somebody, and I mean, I think now it even changes a little bit more because social media is so much more prominent than when we first started. So like people like your videos, you Mm -hmm. know, like they like this, no offense, but shitty, like a shitty video that you took on your GoPro. So many people are liking it and you're like, I'm popular. I'm putting out good stuff. I'm going to keep putting, trying to put new stuff out, even though I don't know anything about camera flying, even though I only got 300 skydives and I just put this camera on my head, you know, like now I'm going to start pushing myself in a, in a different way um, that I'm not really capable or ready for. Um, so like everyone experiences to some extent. Um, I think for me, really early on, one th- one moment that sticks out pretty, pretty heavily and, and it's not, it's not like a terrible situation. It was, I was kiting my canopy in the landing area while everyone else was landing. Yeah, I know, right? (gasps) Um, So I was kiting my canopy as like a 50 jump wonder, you know? Um, It was staying above my head and I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh, this is so funny. Other people are landing. Like, I'm going to see how far I can run with this canopy, like above my head, right? And so I'm just running, 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 and it's staying above me. It's this big-ass student canopy um, or a big-ass boat, you know, canopy. And somebody pulled me aside and said, hey, like, this is – like, this is why we don't do that, you know, because of X, Y, Z. There's people landing. There's, you know, um, stuff happening. And, like, what we just saw you do seems a little cocky. Like, it just seems a little, like, you know. And, and in grand scheme of things, not a huge deal, right? But it's just a warning. They, like, they were warning me. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, am I? Like, am I super arrogant? Am I doing things? Am I saying things like that make people think I'm one of those cocky students? Like, oh man, like it, it really uh, jolted me into like, like this area of like self-reflection and self-awareness. And like, I was really worried that I was putting, like I was giving myself that name being on the drop zone. I was, did you just, (laughs) you definitely farted. (laughs) Frisco. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it, 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 it put me in this situation where I was like, constantly looking around and being like do people really think that of me or is this just was this just a warning it put me in that situation where I thought about that for a really long time and it followed me it followed me for a few years like that you know that constant concern that like I was not asking enough questions or just doing things flippantly you know on the drop zone and not preparing myself for knowing why I should or shouldn't do certain things um I don't really remember where I was going with this <laughs> now, <laughs> but like that for me, that moment, that was the first time I've really experienced it in skydiving. I was 18 and just did something that I thought was funny, you know, and then got put in the check after it. Uh, but I think it had the the right effect on, on me at the time, like whereas some people would experience that and be like, fuck off. I was just having fun. No big deal. Right. And then it would be a problem, you know. Well, I mean, if anybody says anything to you, even if it doesn't sound like it, it's it's out of love because, yeah. you know, if something bad happens to one person in the sport, yeah. everybody feels that, you know, because mm-hmm. it reminds us all of what's going on. And it's so I've had a lot of people talk to me because I've always I've, I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, and I always sometimes it's really hard to hear at the time because somebody's telling you basically that you yeah. fucked up. But it's like they're saying that because they care. And mm-hmm. if they didn't care, they wouldn't say anything to you. Yeah. So like. 
on one hand it, it sucks to have to be talked to but it just means that you're, mm-hmm. you're around people who care about you because mm-hmm. otherwise they'll just not say anything and then maybe yeah. hopefully this guy will get hurt and get lost Mm -hmm. I think there's I think there's something you said in there too about how like like it's hard to hear that you've screwed up you know like you you fucked up like it's hard being told that you fucked up at a certain point in your like progression you know like you know when you screwed up like you know it and you don't need anybody to tell you and you I mean if you're like me you're already beating yourself up about it you're already like going through a million different versions of how you could have done it better and you're really you're waiting for the lashing that happens right or like you're waiting for someone to come and like you know what I mean? You Crack yourself you. a lashing and then yeah. you're like waiting for the somebody mm-hmm. else. I mean, I just did, I just had a turn that wasn't the best mm-hmm. and I stabbed out essentially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm sitting there packing in my head about it. Mm-hmm. And then a good friend Kobe comes up and says, hey, glad you're okay. You know, mm-hmm. like, good job stabbing out. And it was like with nothing but love. You mm-hmm. know? And that's, that's what we need more of in the sport is people actually caring and looking out and saying something, but saying something with love, not with finger shaking yeah because that's when people cross their arms and mm-hmm. they go Man, fuck you like yeah but it's like even if it's with i mean you have to you got to communicate properly so that the message lands and not just like well i said my piece it's yeah. like you got to say it the right way and like and if it's if it is with love then i think it usually comes across that way and then it's mm-hmm. if it's not appreciated i mean it has to be appreciated you know that's another version of like the Dunning Kruger effect at play, like the two different types of instructors, the two different types of coaches, or like higher ups, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Like you have one instructor or one coach who is used to shaking the finger and is used to telling people like, "Don't fucking do that shit. You're gonna die. You're stupid. You're this. You're that." Right? And then you have another type of instructor who maybe has done a lot of self-reflecting about how to talk to people in that situation. You know, they've learned a little bit more about how to talk to people, you know, when they're going to potentially be put in like those abrasive, you know, conversations. Um, so like that, that would be in it for in from where I'm standing, it would be a situation where an instructor thinks they know everything. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it is you need to know. Mm-hmm. And then it's an instructor who's done a lot more self-reflection and can talk to people, you know, and like emphasize the right points and have it come across in a way like I care about you and I want you to be better than what you're than what's happening to you right now. Um, Sometimes it needs to you need both on. Yeah. Right. But But that's with the start with the love. And then if it's not received, then maybe somebody absolutely somebody needs a different communication because we're all so different. But that's that's a I feel like a a hallmark of somebody who's on the far end of the Dunning Kruger, uh, you know, um, spectrum. Cause like that person knows, like they know like, okay, I'm not getting through to you. Somebody else needs to talk to you or this, this version of this conversation is clearly not clicking. Like we're going to switch this up and I'm going to talk to you a very different way. Like that's a, that's just another version of it, of like this phenomenon happening. Right. Like it doesn't good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Right. It doesn't just apply to students or rookies or like newer jumpers. It can also apply to the specific, like types of jumpers that are in in the community you know whether they're instructors coaches fun jumpers you know teammates whatever um overall what do you think we can do to better ourselves though um from from getting ourselves stuck in a rut you know being on the far on the low end of the the dunning-kruger effect what do you think um to me i really encourage people to travel to different drop zones and okay. move around because um, 
kind of similar to what we talked about like you were at the 182 drop zone and moved to a different drop zone you went to Paris you know mm -hmm. um, I had that same kind of experience where I went to another drop zone and it just blew my mind all the change right yeah so you become this big fish in a little pond kind of idea mm -hmm. right and you're probably not that big mm -hmm. <laughs> you just are maybe outgrowing your space or there's not the people there that are communicating clearly yeah. with you or whatever the case may be so I really like to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone and go to new places mm -hmm. because I might have a trouble student makes it through and I've been telling them over and over and they just don't get it and then they go somewhere else and someone comes and says the same thing and it's like oh they weren't just picking on me there they were yeah it was right like this makes more sense so okay I think that spreading your wings and getting out of your home DZ mm -hmm. um, even if you come back doesn't mean you have to leave forever you know what I mean but like try new places and learn from new people yeah um it's really nice to get the experiences of other people or like people that are better or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So. I mean, to that to that point, I know we talked about it in opposition to what I'm about to say, but like going to camps, going yeah. to get seat coaching, like going to learn from new people, like you said, like those are all opportunities. You don't necessarily need to be like us where you just up and move for a year, <laughs> you yeah. know, to someplace else. Uh, like that's our lifestyle and that's a, co a completely different bag than, than what maybe it is we're saying, but like, Go to different events. Go to a sequential event. Go to a belly event. Go to get swooping um, coaching. Go go do those things and learn from different people than the folks that are constantly around you because, like you said, right? But, I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword, you know? So if you go seek out that that information, like, make sure when you come back home you're not, you know, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, the individual to be yeah. humble, you know? Like, it's great to share that information, but how you do it. I don't even think it's humble. It's like you got to be realistic about what the what the situation is, right? Like, um, I think, I mean, you, you guys tell me if, if you think this is wrong. I think people in general, just people in general, not skydivers, we really lack awareness, like, of what's happening to us. Um, a couple years ago, I had to go through this complete overhaul, like, <laughs> Like, I, I'm not religious, but it was like a spiritual like overhaul of like just learning why I do certain things and why I react certain ways to different stimuli, you know, like why my knee jerk reaction to a problem is always the same. Like, why do I do that? And how do I change it? How do I not have that reaction? Because that reaction is not working for me anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I learned in that that situation or in that, that journey essentially is that like we lack so much awareness of why we do certain things the way we do. And everyone is different. Um, so I think overall, like just overall as people, like especially young people, like yeah. <laughs> we lack so much awareness, so much awareness. I want to agree to that with the young people, but if we were to just like dive into old time skydiving, Oh yeah. Not gonna lie, <laughs> just, yes. Just gonna. Absolutely. Don't mean to poke at y'all, but. <laughs> it's a generational thing for sure. Like there's a, there's a whole generation above you and I, like above <laughs> us that like I totally, I totally understand <laughs> what you're talking about. And then, you know, like the newcomers to this sport, they have a tendency of lacking awareness. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And then the self-reflecting, you know, comes a lot later. And it's usually after some sort of fucking trauma that happens, you know, like you have to figure it out because you don't want to be in that traumatic situation anymore. Um, yeah, I don't. What do you think about that self-awareness? Lack well, yeah, of self-awareness. Like the coaching and the camps and all that stuff is to learn the steps that need to be taken. It's not to go so that you can get the badge and yeah. sew it on your jumpsuit or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, 
what are the steps to get where I want to be and then not skipping them, not shortcutting anything, but mm-hmm. like, what do I need to do to, to get to this level of whatever? Yeah. And then also set yourself up with some priorities mm-hmm. and then don't change those priorities, like in terms of safety mm-hmm. of like the priority is obviously to get your parachute open and land safely. Yeah. And if you start to move those around and prioritize getting to the formation as opposed to like not taking the formation out, you know, because you're, oh, I got to be there, I got to be there, and you're not realizing that it's break-off time or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've just done s- something that makes a lot of people mm-hmm. not so happy with you. Yeah. I think because, yeah. I think that's a really good point, um, like making sure you take the steps because I think that's where the problem arises is like somebody wants to be – the organizer i always go to um life for life just because i know it's it's really big right now especially Mm -hmm. and i've seen so many people go to it but it's like they want to be that person and they don't want to put in all the time and effort that that person has put in they Mm -hmm. just want to go from point a to point b immediately you know what i mean Um, so i think that's a really good call out yeah that's fair um my my personal problem like that i know i have is i feel like i'm running out of time Right. So like I feel like I'm constantly running out of time. Like I don't have enough time in my life, you know, like in like 20 years from now, I'm just not going to have enough time to do what I want to do. So sometimes I feel like I rush things a little bit. Um, That's like an internal like struggle that I am dealing with still right now of like, it's okay. Like it's okay if you don't have the time. It's okay if you're not where, you know, this other godlike person is, you know, like it's okay if you're not there in a year, like just where are you now? Like what, you know, so having fun comparing yourself to others yeah that's it's so hard when you, yeah when you're trying to say like man i've been jumping this long and this guy's mm-hmm. and like what am i doing like right. and then you start and you're not acknowledging all the things that you have accomplished and like just staying in your lane and having mm-hmm. your own journey mm-hmm. so like comparing yourself with others is usually like the worst yeah. thing that you can do because it's just <laughs> in life yeah (laughs) I mean being happy with yourself though in your own progress is a really hard thing for a lot of people to do I feel like you know so hunger yeah that hunger is what allows you to to like take the step and to like take the plunge Mm -hmm. take that loan out go to that thing you like (laughs) always stay hungry yeah Yeah. always stay hungry hungry. I mean staying hungry you can you can kind of stretch that however you want but like Staying hungry for me means like you never stop learning, like constantly just be seeking out new information, like new ways of doing things, like honing a specific skill that you're kind of mediocre at, like figure out how to be the best at it. But you're never but understanding like you're never going to be the best at it. Like you're always pushing and trying to get where you want to go. But like just be aware there might always someone there might always be someone else that can do that better, you know, and you might always be faced with a situation of like, man so envious of that person like they fucking nailed it and I've been trying so hard to get there but you know um yeah it's how do we better ourselves I think I think all of that kind of falls under like awareness like self-awareness you know like self-awareness of what your journey is journey is like what you've accomplished so far what you need what you feel like you need to accomplish um you know, how you learn, how you take in new information, um, how you take criticism, you know, like, can you listen to it with a grain of salt, you know, and take it in and consider and like weigh what it is that person says, whether or not it's actually true is a completely different situation. But can you take that information and consider it, you know, at least give it some time, you know, 
to self-reflect on it. Like I think I think everything we just talked about, like everything we we contributed to this, is is all under an, a, an umbrella of awareness. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Cool. Also, when you self-reflect with the filter. Yeah. Of awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, check me out. I'm, right. I'm doing it. So but, like, I mean, yeah, you just yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's where where it comes into play, like other people's opinions, like or not opinions, but other people's criticisms come into play. Like, you think you just did really good. What I find myself doing sometimes is I'll be like, "Oh, this is so good. Watch this," and then it doesn't get the reaction I want. I'm like, "What's wrong with it? Like, (laughs) how can I do it differently? What What did I do wrong? Tell me what happened. You know, like what What's your opinion? So surround yourself with greatness. Yeah, and then you you know where you're at. Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you're in the same spot doing the same stuff then yeah. you have a skewed view but like being here there's there's a lot of skill here and mm-hmm. so like you can you can get a feel for where you're at based on where yeah. some of the best in the world are mm-hmm. so like if you're not going to those comps and those camps and everything then you won't have a realistic assessment to even be able to measure yourself with mm-hmm. I feel like there's some truth to that too like surround yourself with greatness because greatness begets greatness I feel like you know like if you surround yourself with people you want to be like you have a tendency to kind of emulate those same those same values or those same same like little traits or tricks. Um, I have a tendency to imitate people. I know I do. So like I see something really cool happen or, or a phrase I really like and I have a tendency to like start incorporating that into what I'm saying to other people. Um, so I know it works for me. Um, but yeah, I like to, yeah, like surround yourself with good people. Um, in terms of self-reflection, like how can we encourage other people to, to self-reflect more? Because I know, like, because we already talked about this a little bit about how, like, sometimes you criticize someone, sometimes you say you have advice for someone, and they immediately are like, "No, I don't want to hear it." How can we encourage this attitude of like self-reflection, self-awareness, um, this process of like really thinking, you know, more about what it is you're doing on a daily basis? How can we do that as leaders in like the skydiving community? What do you think? It's a big question. So, I mean, go. No, okay. you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Oh, sorry, this dog wants to get up. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I try to do that for people. Like I try to, as an instructor, talk to people how I want to encourage them to think. So um, maybe let me rephrase this. I'm. It's hard to get in my thoughts into words. Sorry. Um, like asking people first what they think of their performance their jump whatever it is like if somebody makes a mistake i'm like frisco decided to get up and start walking through all the cords that are everywhere all right anyway. um, asking them right because you don't know where somebody's mindset is so i i think i believe in leading by example mm-hmm. um because you can't just tell someone to be away right so my only idea is to lead by example and try yeah. to encourage people to do the same yeah um greatness begets greatness ex- <laughs> right yes <laughs> um, my i the first time i left my drop zone and went and jumped somewhere else i crashed into a fence <laughs> um and it was so embarrassing um, and the SNTA came out to me and was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. what is that? You know? And then they were like, I was trying to hold back tears because I was just so embarrassed. And they were like, mm-hmm. how many, how many jumps do you have? Yeah. And I was like, I've got 30 jumps, you know, like I'm just a noob. I've never been here before. And they immediately changed their demeanor yeah. and 
asked me questions about like what I even knew yeah. and what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, that stuck in my heart so much. And that's exactly how I try to t- treat other people. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that yeah. goes forward. Like get, it just continues on, you know? Yeah. So that's, I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's my, in my mind, how I would encourage it or teach it. It, it. it definitely. <laughs> Frisco, buddy. <laughs> Come We're going to come back here. <laughs> we can push this back a little ways. So he wants you to laugh. There we go. Oh, oh poor, poor buddy. <laughs> poor Frisco. <laughs> oh, bud. That's okay. a microphone. It's there not going to do there what you go. want it to do. But um, it definitely that that sentiment of asking questions can definitely improve the quality of the conversation like right off the bat like instantly will change the tone of the conversation um, or the criticism that you have to deliver to that person, you know? Yeah. That is something that I didn't have when I first became an instructor. Like I didn't have that communication style at all. And then I saw somebody else do it and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, I like that. That's way different. And then it got even better. In my, in my opinion, I got even better at it after being at the tunnel because then I knew more about what to ask, like more. I just had more information to try and decipher through before I ever even started doling out like advice or well, corrections. Because right? when you just start throwing it out there, people want to put up a wall a yeah. lot of times and like defend themselves. So. Yeah. Especially if um, people are angry about something that just happened. Like if you scared someone, mm-hmm. you know, their automatic reaction is not to be level headed or calm or asking questions. It's always to like, you know, dial up the intensity of the, of the interaction, whether it's because they're scared or they're mad or they're, you know, irritated whatever it is um and if somebody is yelling at you just know that maybe they just had a friend go through an accident yeah and maybe that's why they're super passionate at that Mm -hmm. moment and you know yeah it is even if it doesn't seem like it they mean it well Mm -hmm. like and it can be received well if you just take yourself out of the yeah out of the equation sometimes that's definitely like you gotta you gotta weigh what it is that's going on internally for that person you know, for the opposite opposite end of it. Yeah, for sure. And if you do something wrong and you're lucky enough to get quote unquote yelled at by Tubbs, then you, yeah. <laughs> lucky <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've seen her talk to people about stuff that it's like when she says it, it's totally cool. Like they're like, oh yeah, thank you so much. But I know that if I said it uh-huh. because she just can deliver in such a way that it just, yeah, it just comes off different. And so I, there's times when I just keep my mouth shut because I think I'm like, I'm an intense mm-hmm. person. So like that intensity sometimes <laughs> is not welcome. <laughs> but like when you work with an AFF student, you're supposed to ask them, tell me the jump that you, mm-hmm. how you remember it from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll be like, well, I did. And then I went to turn and I know I threw my arm down way too hard and it, and I did a full turn instead of a 90 and, uh, and you're like, you're exactly right. Like hundred yep. percent, let's get back out there and do it again. And then you can, like give them some confidence that they know it instead of just like, well, so here's what I saw on the jump. Like, well, mm-hmm. you're not arching and it doesn't look like you're very relaxed, bro. And yeah. and just, you just go on with your spilling yourself all over their skydive. And it's like, that's, that's their skydive. That's mm-hmm. not your skydive. Like help them out, you know? Yeah. I think in terms of leadership, like as instructors or like teams, you know, like teams who know more than we do, like, cause there's, there's major teams that train here and it's very, they are like some of the best at what they do. So it's, 
obviously they have a ton of information and a ton of advice on how to make things better or to just do all this better. So in, in terms of like leadership, right? Like those, those roles, instructors, coaches, management, all of those things, ground crew, like whatever. Those people, I, what I'm hearing from you guys at least is the way that we can get people to kind of emulate that same attitude of like self-reflection and like, you know, inner, inner, you know, uh, criticisms I guess for lack of a better word uh the way we can get them to emulate that more often is just by demonstrating the things that you want to see in others right like that's kind of what I'm hearing from the both of you um is lead by example right so if this is what you want to see you want to see people um you know being more rational and like realistic about their skill sets or about what it is they're they're trying to do it's you have to emulate that in both your own performance but also how you talk to people right yeah right interesting what do you think interesting it is interesting it's kind of fun to talk it out you know like and think about all the ways that we contribute individually to the massive sport yeah i don't know to kind of reflect on how people have affected us in our long term Mm -hmm. you know I mean, this is stuff that we talk about. I mean, maybe not as in-depth as this, but, like, we all have conversations like this as instructors. You know, like, it's a it's a shared community. It's a shared mindset sometimes. Um, oh, that was what I wanted to add. Uh, in terms of, like, the, like, the way you're talking to students, right? So the way – I'm going to cut this back in later. <laughs> um, the way you're talking to students when something crazy just happened, that student that just was here mm-hmm. – um, the one who pulled on his back and had his pilot chute trapped underneath his legs. Um, Like that was a situation that everybody and their mother kind of was really apprehensive about because this is a student who's a little on the fence about whether or not they should be skydiving, you know? Um, But after that happened, we came down and I had another instructor here. He came over and was like, you really undersold what happened on that skydive. Like when we asked you about it, like you played it off like it was no big deal. And it's like, well, what is what is yelling and screaming going to get me in this situation? What is panicking and being overwrought with emotion going to get me in this situation? It's not going to get me anything. Like I need to get through to this student that like you need to go to the tunnel and sort this out. And me just screaming in his face about it isn't going to do anything. I need to show this student step by step what it is that just happened to him or what what like the situation he just put himself in, like I need to show him exactly what happened and why it happened and why it's not getting any better and why he needs to go seek like alternative like training methods, right? Why you need to go to the tunnel. Um, And the typical like overreactive, you know, criticisms or reactions to this situation isn't going to do anything. It's only going to make that person shut down. He's he's already a a student who doesn't really want to listen. You know, like doing that is only going to make him want to not listen anymore. So we got to kind of switch tactics here and we got to like be more, um, we got to show him why, what, what this is, is <laughs> why, why, excuse me, I have to show him why this situation is so much more dire, but I'm not going to be able to do it by yelling at him. You know, I need to be calm and I need to be cool about it and be very specific in the details, you know, yeah. um, you have to change how it is you talk to those people because they're not going to get, you're not going to get through to them. So that's, that's really good. I've had, uh, an instructor, like when I was learning, um, said something along the lines of like handle what's happening right now and then cry about it later. Yeah. Um, so as instructors, I think that's really massive because Mm -hmm. 
Um, maybe we've all been in situations, but something similar to that where mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit, that was really scary. Yeah. And I need like a moment to sit down. Um, I've had those experiences, but when you're dealing with that other individual, yeah. you have to be calm and collected, just like you were dealing with a malfunction, you know, yeah. take care of the situation and then kind of get away from it later, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's just a really good point. And I think something valuable to maybe instructors or, I don't know, people who are going to experience mm-hmm. some mishap in the sky with somebody else is to stick to the facts first. Mm-hmm offer what is essential in that communication as opposed to freaking out and yelling like you could have. Yeah. I mean, like, you could have killed both of us or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that, albeit maybe true, it's not essential. You know? It's not, not necessarily the thing you should lead with. Yeah, and yeah. not to say it like that in a heated way, but, yeah. like, describe what maybe what could have happened and how it can be yeah. kept from happening again. Uh-huh. Um, and then if you need to, like, go – unleash the beast afterwards mm-hmm. yeah. and talk to a friend on the drop yeah. zone in a negative way that's okay mm-hmm. but like the task at hand yeah well I mean like with that student um somebody was listening into the conversation that I was having with that student they were like why didn't you just say that like say what you know needed to be said which was or not needed to be said they 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 asked me like why didn't you just tell this person that he almost killed himself and I'm like I did, but not in so many words. Like I had that conversation with a student where I looked at him and I was like, so now that I've told you all these things, this is why all this happened. I broke it down for you step by step. Here's how you got yourself into the situation. Now that I showed you and I told you, like, how do you feel about it? And the student had said something like, well, I don't feel great because I didn't do what I wanted, like what I needed to do. And I was like, but are you scared of what I just told you? Like, cause you should be, cause I was scared. And he's like, well, should I be scared? I was like, yeah, I was scared. Like I, I was scared of the situation and it's because this is, this is a very violent situation that just happened. And like, I could have just let it with, you almost killed yourself, dude. Like you almost, you almost died. Like, like the situation that just happened, like you almost, you almost like had a very cat catastrophic situation happen. Um, but that like just that tone of my voice like when I just said it to you was very demeaning wasn't it it wasn't like super helpful it wasn't really super supportive it wasn't like really gonna get through to him it was like you're a fucking idiot like how did you not realize that like that's the tone of my voice when I just said it to you there and that was the tone of the tone of the voice of the other instructor who came over and asked me why didn't you say that and I was like it's not gonna get through to him like he's not the type of student that will react well to this information in this way like I have to figure out how to switch that that um, message I'm trying to get through like this is serious like I you you are not realizing how serious this situation is and how much worse it could have been you know um and I think that was like the distinction that finally got him to realize like oh <laughs> okay I do need to go do something else and by the time that guy left like he was like okay I'm gonna go to the tunnel I'm gonna figure this out like I'm gonna figure out these problems I'm gonna figure out how to like how to take my mind off of flying because flying is the thing that's throwing me right now and it's putting me into these crazy situations, these life or death situations. Um, so I'm going to figure this out before I come back and do this again. So like that was a win. That was a win for everybody, you know, because now we don't have to, we potentially don't have to deal with that situation again, you know, or watch it get worse. And then um, hopefully because of how you handled it, yeah. when he's got 500 jumps, 
he's not going through this <laughs> situation of thinking he's really Fingers great crossed. when he's not or some sort, you know? <laughs> when you're when you're a tandem, I, I never did a tandem, I just went straight, but like I've watched a lot of tandems get introduced to the sport mm-hmm. and normally it's it's fine statistically it's a lot you you know <laughs> it's so safe and like if something would happen bad on a tent you would never tell the student yeah we almost died yep you would never say that you would just be like thank you so much for coming out please leave us a positive comment <laughs> on google have a good day and then you go and then talk with your friends about it yeah. and then that's normally also how it's marketed to people is like and it is safe. It is easy. You only yeah. have to engage a few muscles. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not, it's not circus <laughs> soleil. Like it's so <laughs> simple, but you have to get somebody's mind wrapped around what actually needs to be done. Yeah. And when you're constantly saying, "Relax, it's fine," like just, just arch, and you don't even tell it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. for them, how would they know that it was dangerous? Because yeah. they've been told for the first, you know, for their one week. In, in the sport mm-hmm. that it's safe it's totally fine bro like and then they get that assess you know they don't realize how what is serious mm-hmm. and for a student normally they're scared of free fall yeah which is the least important part if you're spinning on the jump as long as you open your parachute safely and land it safely mm-hmm. we can go do it again and figure it out but if you have a bad landing then you're gonna not be mm-hmm. able to you know we're gonna have to take a pause get healthy and then come back so like it, it is very difficult to communicate the priorities to students and we obviously have it written yeah. out in plain bold letters but half the time they don't read the book mm-hmm. they don't put in the work yep. because they didn't have to for the tandem mm-hmm. and then they were told it's easy and then so they don't they don't give it the respect that's due yep they just want that stamp that says i did it mm-hmm. look mom i got my skydiving license i'm not going to skydive anymore but I got my license mm-hmm. and I did it. Now I'm going to go get my scuba license yeah. and I can have those two things in my back pocket. It's it's the appropriate amount of intensity in the information you're giving them step by step by step. Like as they go through the different phases, the tone changes a little bit. Like for tandems, it's an amusement ride for a lot of situ- or for a lot of people. It's like I want to come and have this experience and then probably never do this again, right? But for those of the folks that go on to AFF or they go on to the solo program at, at any various places, that's, that's where it's suddenly become survival skills like okay you did a tandem cool tandems really don't do anything for you in terms of skydiving like they don't really do teach you anything like that's where you start talking more about like this is a survival skill like what I'm teaching you right now is how to save your own life if you do nothing you're going to be in a in a crazy scary situation like you have to do something in order to save yourself you know and then hopefully you give them enough information on how to deal with all of the crazy stuff that happens or that could happen um so I think it just, I think to, to get around that and get around like the appropriate expectations for each type of skydive, it's like you just have to change how it is you're talking at the various levels, you know, various stages of, uh, of learning, right? And some students are so scared, they're scared of the wrong things. Yeah. And so it's like, that's not what you need, but let's talk about what is what you do need to have the most concern. And that's just all about setting up good priorities mm-hmm. and then also teaching them how our procedures yeah keep those things from happening and why the procedures are so important and to stick to the procedures Mm -hmm. and to not skip any steps in your progression or yeah how you talk to those students too like the overly nervous ones um some of them need their hands held and some of them need like military-esque like I think I'm an enabler by nature (laughs) which is also under the umbrella of like pot stir kind of but I can use that positively in being an instructor because it's like 
sometimes I can just like jazz somebody up with some energy and be like, you got it, brother. I mm -hmm. just pump it into them and then they do it. But then you also, they need to be able to do it without you jazzing them up. Yeah. So like, but like sometimes they need it and you give mm -hmm. them that shot. And then I like doing that. I really enjoy being an enabler and like, but <laughs> enabling people to do something they want to do, not like yeah. in a negative way. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an awareness, right? Knowing when to, to add a little flavor to mm -hmm. the to the pot and knowing when to like hold back and stop adding salt like i get it yeah. but if you got a good team and your team is all together then you have the right people for the right yeah. job and you just got to get the right person to compliment that student mm -hmm. you know and then like that's that's where having a good team is so helpful because you have other people you can lean on for like advice or anything and then they can lend a perspective that yeah makes it a lot easier for you and for the student yeah having conversations like this can definitely help other people. Like I remember when I first started skydiving, I would stick around at night just to hear the tales around the bonfire, listening to like my, not my peers, but my instructors talk about, about different situations that they'd had explaining what happened on the jump, you know, how they talked to the student afterwards, what the student really needed, you know, like to like keep progressing through that sitting around the bonfire and sitting around listening to, to people chat after hours, like, you know, definitely helped me understand um what good expectations were for like myself like moving forward as like a learning skydiver um in terms of like how we can we can encourage people to self-reflect more you know like listening to other people who know more than you talk to each other where you're just like a fly on the wall listening you know like you can learn a lot about the things that you should be monitoring within your own you know your own progression and your own um, skill set, I guess. Yeah. That bonfire at the end of the day is not as common as it used to no, be. No, it's not. It's You're just right. everybody goes their own way and does their own thing and like... Hence this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is where this was born from. It was... This podcast was absolutely born from the fact that we don't have these conversations as often anymore. Um, and I was really feeling like the loss of feeling connected to people after after realizing that. So... That's why we're here. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Do you guys have anything to add on top of anything we've already talked about? I got nothing. Okay, well. I said my piece. We've, we've talked it all out. Be, Good deal. Be, be kind. Be a listener. And um, remember, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know, if you're like a new jumper that's listening to this, like, you're going to get your skills if you just keep jumping and keep having fun. You know, um, uh, Keith George actually just said something to me the other day that was like, oh, this is why I shouldn't give a shit about the fact that I'm not the best of the best of the best. This is why I don't care. Or this is why I shouldn't care as much as I do. Because he was saying something about how um, competitive, competitive skydivers, you know, if you're not competing right now, two or three years after you you stop competing you're no longer relevant mm -hmm. like what it is you did is no longer relevant in comparison to what's actually happening at that time right and I was like that's a good point <laughs> like if you're not active within like the that community or that circle it's like you're right like you're not really relevant in like the ongoing like you know so it's it I feel like so many people who find themselves in this situation where they're they're pushing the limit or they're not listening to criticism, it's because they want to be like a name. They want to like mm -hmm. be the best of the be best. Somebody. And it's like, it's like, yeah, but when you're there, like you might get there, but as soon as you stop, like, you know, like it's, 
you're probably going to fade out of ex- out of existence for like the collective skydiving community um very few names in skydiving stick around like for years and years and years and years you know um and it's pretty likely that you're going to be one of those people that you know what I mean like it's pretty likely that we're 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 those folks that are just going to kind of fade out after we stop doing it all the time you know what I mean do you know what I mean? 100%. It seems a little harsh, but we've got an audio record of us, so we'll all stick around for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like in terms of canopy progression, I tried to as quickly as possible. Yeah. I, it was all about get. In my mind, I was like, well, it's not going to be the best swoop until I'm on the smallest canopy, and I yeah. pushed so hard, mm-hmm. and I was like, need a new rig. This one doesn't fit. Like I'm mm-hmm. getting another one. Like 300 jumps on it. Cool. Getting another one and yeah. just slamming my downsize and then all of a sudden I'm in the 70 something range and it's like at a certain point let's say you take six months off or whatever if you're not I mean you'll find yourself with something that is too small for you even Mm -hmm. if you've been making it and you've been getting by you know not rushing that not rushing that is really helpful and I'm like embarrassed at how quickly I downsized because there was so much to learn on those other canopies that I was like, I'm doing it next, next canopy, <laughs> like selling this one, getting another one. And I really wish I'd taken more time to learn each of those canopies and what they had to offer yeah. at their wing loading. And yeah. then I, it would have been so much better than to rush to the 70 something and then be on the 70 something, trying to figure something out that I should have been figuring out on a, mm-hmm. maybe a 90 something instead. So yeah, you'll get there, but enjoy the process man yeah. i hate to see people sad to be new yeah and it's like man i kind of i kind of would like to be new again and just kind of just for the the love of the game you know because mm-hmm. sometimes when you've done it a couple thousand times it doesn't have the same pop and it's like those first jumps whew, mm-hmm. like you're you're cloud nine just you're peaking and you didn't do anything relative <laughs> to like that you know yeah but still if it was good if you had a good time what else is there like and if you ever find yourself in trouble never give up always make <laughs> lemonade with whatever you got and get back to the hangar safe. never give up never surrender yeah uh it's a galaxy quest quote for anybody that wanted everybody if you know you know um anyway uh yeah it's it's very much uh i had it and then i lost it after i thought about galaxy quest i'm sorry it's uh, a good one I- like like you said enjoy the process you know, like you were saying, um, enjoy, enjoy, you know, where you're at right now. Try not to think so far ahead because chances are once you're there, you're not, you're just going to keep there's being in this. Else. Yeah, there's no there's no end there. Like you're just constantly going to be in the same cycle, you know, of wishing you were anyway. Uh, enjoy, enjoy what you're doing right now. Like, like what you're doing, figure out what makes you happy on, like, actually happy, not what you aspire to be, like, not a happiness that you aspire to be some, someday. Imaginary happiness. Yeah, right? Like, figure out what makes you happy right now and then just go with it and, like, focus on it and get as good as you can at that thing, you know? Like, be the, you know, I get it. Delusional thoughts from Fantasy Island. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up there then. Thank you so much for talking uh, with us. We got a little bit off tangent but it all kind of falls underneath the same you know Dunning-Kruger you know effect uh how we see it in different different versions and you know like little nuanced areas in in skydiving but thank you for uh chatting chatting with me about this guys I really appreciate it um 
We're going to leave it there, though. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, be safe. Blue skies. Peace out. Yeah.